Welcome to Calming the Chaos Podcast, where we help you find peace in a chaotic world. I'm your host, Tracy Canella, licensed mental health counselor. Calming the Chaos provides self-help resources for people in crisis. It's not a substitute for counseling or psychotherapy. Thanks for tuning in. And now, let the chaos begin. Eating disorders are debilitating and potentially deadly mental health conditions that affect people of all ages. And today I am here with licensed clinical social worker, uh, Nicole Christina, and she has been treating eating disorders for over 30 years in her private practice. And she's very active on podcasting and doing other things, great things in the world of eating disorders. And so today we are going to be talking specifically about eating disorders in the population of women in midlife. So midlife is a challenging time for uh, women and we all have bodies and bodies are fueled by food. So we're gonna be talking about the connection between food, bodies and women in midlife. And so now I'd like to welcome Nicole Christina. Nicole, welcome to Calming the Chaos podcast. Thanks, Tracy. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. This is a really important topic, you know, when we think about it. And I know that there are some colleagues of mine who are thinking about specializing in this area. So let's hear a little bit more about you and your practice and how you got to be where you are today in what you're doing. Uh, okay, I'll try to give you the short version. <laughs> I went to a grad school that was very, um, I would say, Hmm. women focused. I went to Smith College School for Social Work and I was exposed to a lot of issues around gender, um, uh, diversity, and uh, these kinds of things. And I noticed that I got more and more interested in ways that society has a real impact on our mental health expectations, perceptions, and I'm a social worker. So we're, you know, we look at all this stuff that um, has impact on us and the way we think and feel about ourselves. And also really like having a critical eye about who benefits from us buying diet products about, uh, even bariatric surgery. Uh, and now I also look at, uh, older women, midlifers and older. What about this anti-aging stuff? So I'm always kind of have a little bit of a, an antenna out with like, what are we believing that's not in our best, best interest, but we're being almost like many women, I say almost in a trance about it. So I feel like I'm kind of here to, to break that trance and help women cope with their tremendous adjustments and stress in a more productive uh, and effective way. Hmm. Well, you started out with the question of who is benefiting from some of these products, services. And uh, so, yeah, have you been able to get any answers to those questions? I was very curious when you said that. I thought, ah, big pharma, uh, you know, advertising, oh. admin. Yeah, there was a, a quote I saw many years ago that really got my hackles up. And it was an executive uh, privileged white man describing how he um, found uh, partners that might be attractive. He said, 
I like them like my coffee, light and sweet. And that nearly put me over the edge. <laughs> I mean, you talk about objectifying, you know, what the look is like. And there have been many really interesting scholarly uh, books about why are women supposed to be small? You know, why are we not supposed to be taking up room or offering our opinion or having a role, you know, even place at the table? So there's so much to this. And, you know, I've read a lot of it. I'm not an expert in that. But certainly, uh, you know, there's social and political reasons why women are prefer to be smaller. And many women at this age are saying, I have too much talent, wisdom, and skill to be focusing on carbs. And to the extent I do that is really the extent that I'm uh, not using my full self and being um, sort of tricked into thinking that what's most important is my dress size. So there's a lot here to unpack. Uh, Some people, you know, there's a book called Fat is a Feminist Issue. There's a lot of books out there talking about why dieting is a, a sort of a normal thing for women. Gets really interesting and complicated at middle age because, especially around um, sort of menopause, because there's so many changes. And the thing that eating disorders do really well is make our world really safe and contained and uh, predictable. Like you know, a Snickers bar is always going to taste like a Snickers bar, and in our world nothing feels predictable anymore or safe. I mean, you know, we had, and we talked about this off mic, I think is like these Canadian wildfires. I live in upstate New York and you go out and it's nine o'clock in the morning and the sky's orange and you feel like you're on another planet. That makes people anxious and we don't all have the best coping skills. So what better than to say, I'm not going to eat whites, white flour, white sugar. I'm not going to have carbs. I'm just going to have a, you know, handful of walnuts or whatever it is. And it just helps us feel some sense of control in a world that's getting crazier every single day. Right. Yeah. Well, you bring up a lot of really good points. Where do we want to start our discussion about this this concept of there are people who struggle with eating disorders, disordered eating behaviors, and uh, you know negative body image, if you will, mm-hmm. at all ages. And yet, this is a very vulnerable age when you think about midlife and up. Right. I don't think mm-hmm. I put that in the in the intro. It's it's midlife and up. Mm. And it's it's becoming a particular problem just because there's so many changes that go on in the body that you do go to what is predictable. And so you go to the numbers, you go to the calories sometimes, and you could go to the snicker bar, which you said it's predictable because things uh, are happening in your body that are crazy. And then in the world, right? right? You said oh, the orange right. sky. In your family too. I mean, so, you know, if you've been a mom who's really dedicated to being a mom and, you know, you have a job, all this stuff, all of a sudden, you know, I, I always joke, like I got a pink slip. It's like, I'm not, wait a minute, what? You know, 
you don't need to talk to me every day. You don't need to get my advice every, wait a minute, what, you know, and I have a, a friend who's a psychologist and she always jokes like, this is the craziest evolutionary thing happening. You love them, protect them, would do anything. And all of a sudden, wait, you're supposed to launch them? Who made that up? You know, that just sounds terrible. Uh, so we're, you know, and I have clients that'll say, I still cry when I go by my sense room. He's just left for college. You know, I still cry. So we have that adjustment. Um, there's many, many things. So our parents are aging. They may need our care. Our spouse or partner, if we're partnered up, you know, now we're not raising kids with them. And and as um, I think we, we mentioned when we talked earlier, you know, there's a thing called gray divorce. It's like we don't have much to talk about anymore if we're not saying who's picking up the kids, who you know, what who, who's going to the soccer game or whatever. So it's a reassessment of our relationship, uh, which can be difficult. Um, and we're starting to really... Uh, be hit over the head with the fact that there's an end to this party. The mortality, you know, if a parent, you know, our parents are aging, if they've died, all this, you know, we're starting to be in the age range where people are dying. And if that doesn't, you know, whack you upside the head to say I'm next, those are thoughts and feelings that are really hard to know what to do with. We have also a death illiterate society. So it's not something that necessarily you're going to talk to your walking buddy about. So we're holding all these feelings. And, you know, I, I think that um, my approach about like, how is this helping can be um, not, you know, doesn't bring up as the defenses because we're not about to say, don't restrict, don't, you've got to eat fats, fats are, you know, that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So I go in sort of a sneaky way, tell me how it helps. Give me examples of how restricting has really been helpful or going to the gym and working for, working out for three hours. What does it do for you? So we get underneath that and then we start asking deeper questions. Yeah, and that's a good point when you think about the behaviors. How is it helping you? And um, my first thought was, well, okay, well, if we find out how it's benefiting them to do uh, behaviors, we also got to assess, is it intruding into their major life domains? And so now is my chance to show off my major life domains palm tree that I developed uh -huh. here. And uh, so, yeah, so if it's affecting, because going to the gym in, in and of itself or, uh, you know, being mindful of your eating is mm -hmm. a, not a bad thing. But if it That's starts right. to affect your major life domains, which is on this uh, palm tree here, so your physical health is struggling, mental, emotional, spiritual relationships, schoolwork, all that stuff, that's a really very general indicator of is this a problem or is this not a problem? Problem. And so if we are using uh, food and eating and or even physical activity, as you said, uh, to be to cope with some major emotional problems in our lives, and it is taking us over and doing the, the behaviors is taking us over, then we really uh, do need to look at what's happening in our lives, right? That's, that's excellent. That's right. And let me give you some specific examples um, under the palm tree. 
um, people might say, I can't go out to lunch with my friends because I'm going to stress about the menu. There's nothing at whatever, you know, Panera that I can eat that um, is going to uh, satisfy my restriction, um, you know, requirements. Right. Um, I can't go to the beach with my family or my friends because I don't want to be seen in a bathing suit. Um, these are the kinds of things that, as you noted, you know, you start, your world starts getting smaller and in relation, in the relationship part of the palm tree, it starts to feel like you and your eating disorder or disordered eater eating are the couple and maybe your relationship, primary relationship is not uh, number two, it's number three. So it becomes mm -hmm. about, we can't host Thanksgiving because I don't want to cook all that food and be tempted to eat a piece of pie. So now we're starting to get into, but, you know, we have the biggest uh, dining room table and we always do Thanksgiving. People, you know, we're uh, people, we're centrally located. People want to come to our house. We have a great fireplace, whatever it is. But no, I don't want to be around pie starts becoming um, really, as you said, intrusive. And it's quite painful and quite lonely because then it becomes you and your eating disorder on an island and you start losing those other branches. Um, it's quite a, you know, at, at its its most severe when we're starting to look into residential treatment. Um, it's nobody wakes up and says, "I want to have an eating disorder." It's it's quite a painful existence. It's a lot of conflict. Should I? Shouldn't I? You know, I ate. I had. I always give this example, and it's really an old example, but a woman. Um, that I was treating was a really talented poet. And um, she had earned a lot of acclaim about her poetry. So she came to me and all she wanted to focus on was that she had a donut for breakfast and we could not get off of that pain and guilt she was feeling. And you know, to watch someone who's so talented and has so much to offer, it just is very tragic. And it makes our lives small and it really uh, sucks the joy out of life. And another example would be in the just in the physical body, uh, you know, restricting eating uh, or, uh, you know, if you actually have undoing behaviors. Uh, so exercising, over exercising can affect the physical body. Restricting can um affect the physical body so it can um, purging uh, by any means. Uh, so that that really uh, sometimes can be an eye opener for change, right? Okay, this is starting to affect your physical body or if it's affecting your work performance or school performance because you can't concentrate or if you're passing out all the time. And so sometimes those can be used as motivators for change if you're a clinician out there listening and or if you're a friend or a family member uh, how can you spot this stuff and see it? And how can you see it affecting those major lives, life domains that were shown in the uh, palm tree there? Uh, is, is something that, you know, everybody could uh, be a little bit more aware of, right? We used to go to Thanksgiving at mom's house, but now, now we don't mm -hmm. for some reason. 
So I know you know this, Tracy, because you're an expert in this, but don't expect to thank you. You know, people who are well into this behavior and who are like exercising on an injury, which I've had women do because they just can't not walk 15 miles a day. Um, that was a physician, by the way. Um, you know, it's it's the brain after being starved doesn't really work right and often becomes depressed and not great in thinking. So if you confront somebody who said, who, as you say, you know, um, might've said no Thanksgiving or yeah, I got to go to the gym again or all this stuff. Don't expect them to say, wow, whoa, I hadn't thought of that, you know, because there, there's a desperation, I, you know, and there's a holding on to it really tight. Like if you take this away, I don't know what else I've got. And it becomes such a part of the identity. As you know, uh, in our society, people will say, you look great. What are you doing? You know, so that everyone wants that, right? <laughs> and so that puts fuel on the fire. What might have to happen is um, a loved one might have to set limits and say, you know, I understand about the pies. This is just an example, but we've been doing this for uh, every year for 35 years. Really important to me. It's important to the family. How can we do this in a way that you don't have to bake the pies or you don't have to be around the pies? So there's pushback and reality testing like that's not a reasonable request. A request not to go to the beach house anymore because you don't want to be in a bathing suit. Not sure that's a reasonable request. And so you know, there has to be some, what I found is pushback. Now that creates its own dynamic, but if it's gotten that, if it's gotten dangerous and a spouse may see, and I've had this happen, spouses call me and say, my wife's not eating and I'm really concerned. We have young children, all this stuff. Then you may have to set a limit and go perhaps uh, ask the um partner to go to their family physician and that you can join or you can somehow collaborate and say, these are my concerns. Mm -hmm. So it's sometimes you really have to step it up. It's very tricky because as I said, you know, people who are fully into this behavior, it's working for them at some level. Right. Um, and, and, and then you have that, it almost becomes um, sort of delusional, like, you know, I can't eat a piece of bread because I'll gain two pounds. Mm -hmm. Well, no, because the bread's not even two pounds, you know, like there, there's a lot of magical and, and anxiety and stuff that's not accurate. So depending on how far you've gone, you may have to step in just like if you thought your partner was having a serious other kinds of illness that you'd have to say, listen, you've been having a lot of heart palpitations. And if you're not going to go to the doctor, I'm going to have to, you know, um, be pushy about that. Yeah, and you mentioned the, the social media. Out, out, uh, well, as you know, everybody wants to be told that they are looking good. And so that really comes up with social media and people looking at people's Facebook and Instagram and all this other stuff and thinking, wow, this person looks great and or says something about it. And that is a judgment it is great. You know, I believe you look great. And a person just runs with it 
or they could not run with it. It depends on what the thinking is. And in midlife, when you start to age, it is kind of important to have that positive feedback, right? You said everybody Absolutely. wants that. Everybody it, wants it. Particularly, oh, I was going to say, particularly women I've seen in my practice, you know, I don't know if this is what you see, but who have had a lot of reinforcement for their physical attractiveness. Yep. And then all of a sudden, they're invisible. And that is really painful. It's like people used to follow, you know, they used to ask my number. Now they just look right through me. And for people who have, have been gifted, right, it's 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 sort of a roll of the dice um, with a very standard uh, attractiveness and symmetry and all what, you know, what our culture finds beautiful. That's a tremendous loss and uh, it's not something people talk about yeah and that's where we have to grow the inside characteristics and traits and have them look inward at themselves in those things that will not change as they age and mm -hmm. just being able to even carve out one thing that a person likes about themselves uh, beyond their physical presentation is somewhat challenging right and then we have these social influences in social media now that we look at and uh, and compare ourselves so it's just another comparison we're not just walking around on the streets or in the library or in the grocery store comparing ourselves, but we can have all kinds of comparisons that we can make mm -hmm. just by going on social media. As a social worker, what have yeah. you seen change with the uh, advent of social media now being in the picture? Yeah, bad. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> just basically terrible. Well, then the other thing we have, and it's not, again, talked about much, but I, you know, my show is about aging and all of the joys and the challenges. And this is one challenge, but we have now this phenomenon that are people who are super agers, right? And so they'll be celebrated for not looking 70 or for being able to run a marathon. And it leaves us regular people who actually are like, wow, wrinkles, age spots. I am not willing to get plastic surgery or laser surgery. I'm just not willing to do that. Um, and uh, I can't run a marathon. I can do daily walks with my dog, feels great. I play tennis, I'm active, but I am not a super ager and I never will be. So it's not only like uh, looking around and, you know, seeing people who put on makeup nicely or uh, have nice clothes or having a life that looks really different than a regular person's life that, you know, now, now there's also this thing like you can't age with all of the accompanying um, losses. You have to be a super ager. And that's, that's a whole other thing. And then you look at these people and they're, you know, they're beyond fit. And so you're like, how much time does it take for you to do that? And that's I my first question always, like, how much time are you spending on that? Yeah. <laughs> and 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 let's let's be honest, you know, are we moving into obsessive? You probably know that um, the 
there's such an uptick in people signing up for marathons now that they've had to, it's overwhelming. And they've added a lot of marathons on. And many of these are midlife plus women wanting to sort of super age. And I think that's tremendous pressure. And that's another sort of online kind of thing where you're getting these communities of people who are like, you know, I bet you don't realize I'm 70 because I look 40. Well, I actually look exactly my age. Mm-hmm. More so when I put my glasses on and I look in the mirror, I see things I didn't, I didn't see before. Gosh, I never heard that term super ager before, mm-hmm. but I guess it's a thing, huh? It is a thing. In fact, you know, there's some, uh, I think, very well-meaning communities um, and some beautiful online um, publications. Uh, there are people who do sort of similar kinds of stuff as my podcast, like Zestful Aging, except it's all about, I'm 90 and I ran a marathon. I try not to do that. But that's what they celebrate is, you know, blowing your mind because we didn't think 90 year olds could do that. It's wonderful, but don't feel like you have to, um, you know, don't feel like you have to have the body that your daughter does when you're 50, 55, 60. Yeah. And so when, when you, uh, I think in your uh, podcast and on your website, do you specialize in longevity and uh-huh. or quality of life? That's it. That's really what matters is uh, if you can be comfortable in your body, if you can be comfortable with who you are and, and you can um, take the best care of this vessel that you have to carry you through life. And uh, so longevity is a thing. It does not have to be an obsession. Is that kind of what you your message is? I think that's really well put. We call it health span now. Uh, it's not just, you know, how long you live, but how well you live. And so there's things that are clearly uh, help us live longer and it's not drinking kale smoothies. And that's kind of blows the lid off of a lot of this stuff. It's like, I'm going to, you know, never eat something, you know, it's got to be organic. I'm all for organic, but some people can't afford it or it may not be available or, you know, it's whatever. I, I you know, it, don't get so obsessed with it that it's causing stress. And what people find really um, uh, surprising is, yes, eating well, of course, we're feeding our brain, absolutely, uh, exercise, but those are not the top um, factors that keep us really healthy. It's being in relationship. And the newest research, which I thought was fascinating, and I was happy to hear because I'm very chatty (laughs) with my neighbors, is it doesn't have to be about intense, intimate relationships. It can be seeing the uh, post postmaster, or you know, it can be like uh, on on a walk and you're on a trail. You say good morning. Who knew that that was really gold in terms of how we're programmed to feel um, our best and how to have uh, optimal brain function. 
And I think the role of stress too, and getting together and being with people who we like to be around that we trust and that are fun, you know, they have that certain energy that we like, uh, will lower our stress levels and uh, create a more positive energy within our bodies too. So I don't think mm -hmm. that's a bad thing for aging or anybody. I don't think, I think kids on the playground do that all the time, right? And exactly so, right. <laughs> so yeah, why can't we as adults just be nicer to each other and hang out together? And I love just being in person. I do have some online friends as well. And it's great to be in communities with people that you can trust and that you know. And there's nothing uh, better than just saying hi to the mailman, like you said, or saying mm -hmm. hi to your neighbor when you're when you're on your walk, or petting your cat. <laughs> I was just doing that this morning, uh, looking at all the, the chakras on my cat and making ah! sure that I did a little Reiki on her. And, oh, that's and, beautiful. Yeah, it's it is. So, well, so then, um, as far as your products and services that you have to offer. Uh, you have your website and I'll put that up mm -hmm. here. Thank you. Aging. And, and I do some coaching too. I mean, I'm a psychotherapist, but I'm also starting to do longevity coaching uh, mm -hmm. or zestful aging coaching for people. So they can contact me through zestful aging. I have a lot of freebies on there. Um, I have a webinar mm -hmm. that uh, is free. There's a whole bunch of resources that I think people will find helpful. Yeah, let's uh, take a look uh, at your website here. There you are. And yeah, there's your microphone. Uh, so you see that you have a podcast, you have some courses. Mm -hmm. and, um, I have so a mindful eating course. Oh. Um, yep. Nice. Did you know 80% of how you age is in your control? Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Supercharging your mindset to live happier and longer. Yeah. So longevity, quality of life. Uh, there you are again. There I am with I like the way you're, Yeah, your website's laid out really super cool because oh, you can. Thank you. Yeah, you can just uh, click on one of these episodes. It's neat. Uh, yeah, but, I just uh, I just finished with uh, a professional webmaster, and um, so thank you for saying that because it was a big production. <laughs> Well, I love the way your thumbnails are all uniform. Mine are all um, random, oh, and oh. I need to get that kind of figured out, or oh. maybe not. Maybe that's just maybe my my uh, thing is just that'll be your thumbnail. signature, right? <laughs> yeah, the randomness, the random. being okay with random. But yeah, check out the the website, and uh, I'll go ahead and we'll take a little trip uh, to the YouTube channel that you have uh, created here. It's pretty that you uh, these people who have podcasts now are going to video podcasts and they I are. love that that is a thing because I remember that I started doing that during the pandemic and I thought am I going to be the only therapist that's going to show her face on a podcast but no a lot of people are doing that now so and here is uh, the YouTube channel and uh, let's see if I can scroll up a little bit more here. I do uh, I introduce my guests on, on, on the YouTube channel, and it's usually doing some kind of walk in the woods or some, you know, like, yeah, it's very on brand for me to be walking my dog <laughs> in the woods. And so that's a fun, I you know, nature's so healing. So I, I like to promote that kind of thing. This is great. So you just do the intro on your YouTube channel and then you do the podcast. I know you have, uh, you're on iTunes and Spotify yeah. and all the other oh, major yeah. ones too. All but. that stuff. Yeah. And I'm also uh, very fortunate in that Syracuse uh, Public Radio streams my podcast and that's WCNY and that's been a lovely 
uh, collaboration. Yeah, so the podcast name is Zestful Aging. And uh, you have also a LinkedIn account that people can Mm -hmm. find you on. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's the LCSW, Nicole Christina LCSW. That's Licensed Clinical Social Worker. And uh, yeah, is there uh, anything that you want to particularly highlight here uh, on your website? We can take a trip back or you can talk about one of your courses. Anything that you want to highlight? I would just invite people to look around. Um, I always love to get feedback about the podcast. I would, if people really interested in this topic, I would uh, send them to listen to Evelyn Triboli. She's the... She's the uh, queen of uh, intuitive eating. I did uh, um, a podcast with her when she uh, they re-edited their their seminal book a few years ago. Also, Rebecca Skitchfield, who did body kindness. So if you look through, I have I'm like the Terry Gross of healthy aging. I have a real variety of people, but you will see a consistent a smattering of people doing mindful eating or eating with some kind of intention and uh, uh, thoughtfulness, I guess. Right. Didn't you interview uh, Margot Main too? I did. Yeah. She's a classic, right? She's, she's been around for a long time and she knows what she's talking about. Right. Yeah. Well, really quick here, because this is going to be airing in the month of November, which is going to be kicking off the holiday season. And we've been talking about pie. And it's so funny because I did an interview with one of my really good friends and colleagues, Stacy Schilter Paisano. She's the site manager of the EMILY program here in Olympia. And we got on the subject of pie. And there was actually a prop in the interview about pie and why pie always comes up this time of year? I don't know. But do you have any specific tips for people who are specifically here and they're really worried about the holiday season coming up, being centered around food, being centered Mm -hmm. around family and being with people? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, do you have any go-to recommendations? And I'll kind of of try and think of my own as we go as well, but uh, just because this is going to be airing in November. Yeah. Oh boy, that's a good one. It's one day. And what I would say is if, and I'm going to kind of steal Evelyn Triboli's theme, and that is satisfaction. And if you are enjoying your pie, you're not going to eat a whole pie because that doesn't feel good. So what I would do is continue to check in. How am I feeling? What, you know, am I 60% full, 70% full? Where am I at? And just staying with that pie and not being, should I have another one? Should I have whipped cream? There's ice cream there. If you can stay mindful, you will enjoy a piece of pie, move on with your day, read your book, watch your movie, take your walk, do your knitting, do whatever you're doing. And it does not become an obsession. Um, Mm -hmm. And it is only truly one piece of pie. Your body is really smart and it knows how to metabolize a piece of pie. This too will digest. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, That's awesome. 
Uh, I, you know, and I usually say to people, eat as if it's a normal day and mm -hmm. enjoy the things that are, I think what came up with the interview with I, I did with Stacy is that there's these not commonly eaten foods that are present during holidays that mm -hmm. we, they're novel to us. It's like, oh, we haven't had this in a year. Yeah. And, uh, so try and eat as normally and think of it as in terms of, I, I want to stabilize my blood sugar. Mm -hmm. I know that people will say, oh, I'm starving up for the big day yes. and I'll even start the day before. Like, I'm just not going to eat and then I'm just going to go to town. Yeah. And it's really not good for the blood sugar that way. And uh, so uh, my tip would be just to be able to treat it as much as if it was a normal day, but with mm -hmm. some of these really kind of special foods that aren't typically going to present themselves on other days of the year, enjoy them. Like what you said, enjoy the pie and um, move your body around. It's, oh my goodness. Yeah. It feels good to have motion. It feels good to have. Um, We're designed for that. Yeah. And, and so treat it as much as you can as a normal day where you get to hang out with friends, family, and have some uh, food with them and some food that you haven't necessarily eaten in about a year. And uh, yeah, that's, that's my spiel for the holiday. Good advice. Yeah. So, well, good. It was so great to see you here today. And, you know, speaking of pie, my new outro actually has pie in it. So you'll be able to Perfect. see that as we close. Any parting thoughts that you have or um, tips that we could do? I mean, here's the website, zestfulaging. I guess what I would say is you have so much to offer as a woman in midlife. You've been around the block. You've developed wisdom. There's so much for you and the world needs your contribution. And if you're worried about having an extra piece of pie, that really gets in the way of you contributing to a world that really needs your wisdom. So uh, oh. I'll, I'll leave you with that thought. Yeah, that is a great thought to be left with. And remember your internals. They, mm -hmm. they, your your outer body might change, and some of the stuff in in your workings might change. But you are who you are. Unique uh, contributions are welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, uh, Nicole, for being on Calming the Cast podcast pleasure. today. And My we'll pleasure. go ahead and uh, watch me eat some pie. That sounds great. Thanks, Take Tracy. Care. Thanks for listening to Calming the Chaos podcast. If you found this podcast interesting or helpful, please like, subscribe, and share it with your friends. You can also go to www.calmingthechaospodcast.com to listen to all Calming the Chaos podcast episodes. I look forward to sharing my next podcast episode with you. In the meantime, take care. Hell of the moon or something like that.